0: Welcome to episode 27 of I bought a football club. My name is Stephen Cleave, chairman of Kingsley in Town Football Club, and this is the the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of running a football club. And today is going to be no exception. Our guest today is none other than James Leary, who's the financial director of Marine Football Club, who for those of you that have been following the FA Cup will note that they've had the biggest giant-killing shock of the round, beating the previous round I should say, beating Colchester United on their own turf. A full-time football club in League Two being beaten by a step four, four low, four leagues, sorry, below the league. Um, James, you know, sadly got relegated a couple of years ago, uh, a couple of seasons ago, but uh, will hope to bounce back this season. And the, 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 the chat with James, I haven't recorded it yet, I'm about to do so, but it won't just be about their giant killing exploits. It's going to be about how they're building that football club there. They're doing lots of good things. And James, you know, um, for the... In the, in the in the spirit of openness, openness, I have to say, is a mate. He's someone I've come to know very well over the last few years. And, you know, they've done amazing stuff and they're doing amazing things down there. So it's definitely worth someone um, listening to uh, because he does lots of, you know, he's done, they're just you know, doing lots of great stuff. Anyway, so we'll get James on in a second. We are also going to cover the Wrexham story. Very interesting. I'll give you the full gist on it, which I do now know, um, i.e., um, what's going on behind the headlines. It's pretty much as I thought. But what, what hasn't been disclosed is the identity of the third owner. That's right, a third owner. There is the guy called Rob, with a Scottish-sounding surname, which is unpronounceable. Um, there was another man called Ryan Reynolds, who is uh, which has a far easier name to pronounce. And there is a third person, another actor. This one, British, should be pleased to hear, for those of you that like um, to have a bit of British continu- continu- continuity uh, in their ownership. Um, and... He is not being disclosed yet, but I will disclose him later on today and you'll you'll hear all about it. So that's interesting. So that's the third one. And and, and when you understand who, who he is, you'll also understand what they're actually doing and it will all make complete sense and the circle will be complete. Would I be upset or worried if I was a Wrexham fan? I don't know is the answer to that. Probably not. It's probably not a bad thing. I don't see any too much negativity out of it. Um, although it 's a plaything uh, it 's a play thing it's a it 's a, it's a mission it 's it 's they 're doing it on pacific for a specific reason um if it doesn 't work out if it works out fantastic it 's going to be amazing if it doesn 't work out um um, I don't know what safeguards the board have put in place to make sure that they don't get back, come back to them with a huge wage bill. Who knows? But I'm sure they, they're not complete idiots and they've done their job and due diligence and sorted all that side of things out. Anyway, so we're, but I'll cover that um, after James. I will also cover something else which is fascinating, which is the um, independent committee, which has been set up, the review committee, to deal with the money being given out at the National League. And I'm going kind to of question how independent the committee really is. The people on it haven't been disclosed. I will disclose a couple of the people on it. I do know the rest of them, but I won't disclose them all. But a couple of them, I think, are interesting because are they actually uh, independent, truly independent? And that's the big the big answer, the big question. And I don't know if I do think they're that independent, I'll be honest. So i um, will going to give you the facts and I'll let you make your own mind up. So there we we'll deal with that as well. And the other thing which I deal with just before we get James on the phone is this in, is this situation about um fans coming back into the grounds and 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 the numbers and the the levels and all that kind of thing well that's very very interesting um the it's it's worth it's worth going through this very slightly and because i think it's going to cause clubs a few a few issues so uh, let's let me give you the the, the numbers so first of all um you're allowed to have fifty percent of the ground's normal safe capacity. OK, now there are three three bullet points here. You've got to hear all three before you can understand it. The sec- so the second bullet point is the max ca- the maximum capacity for the relevant tier, which is 4,000 spectators for Tier 1, which obviously means you've got to have an 8,000 capacity to get that, or 2,000 spectators for Tier 2. Now, I believe um, the Tier 2 um, um, issue um, we would so our capacity is just under five thousand. So our our scenario would be um, uh, two thousand four hundred, two thousand four fifty, that kind of thing in tier one, and in tier two it would be two thousand. But then this problem is the third bullet point, and the third bullet point is the socially distanced capacity of the ground as calculated using the SGSA's. SG 2 If you want to know the technical information, which is the planning for social distancing at sports grounds guidance. Now here is uh, is our problem. Our, our well, I won't read out all those letters and numbers again. But our number there is fourteen hundred. So forget the uh, two and a half thousand. Forget the two thousand. And let's look at fourteen hundred. Plus I also stand. There's a understand. There's a small chance from our sad committee that. They are going to limit us to less than that because we've had two test events of a couple of hundred fans for our reserves. And we played in the FA Youth Cup and one other game. When I say reserves, it was under 18s. So that apparently now they're saying, well, maybe you need to have one game with less fans. Well, that makes sense, of course, if we can be, can be Bromley because I would be OK with that. Um, Bromley's meant to be next uh, Tuesday. Lots of clubs are trying to switch it to the Wednesday. We need Bromley's approval to do so um and that that would clearly be a limited capacity um so i am one of the ways we can get around it and get our 1400 up our SG 2 i said that quite quickly so it wasn't too painful um that we can do that by increasing our capacity of the stadium how we're doing that or trying to is to put some more concrete in as some new barriers in and that will in turn raise the stadium capacity which will increase the actual COVID capacity that we are underway way with, um, and we need to do that as much as we can. But even then, I think we're going to be struggling, you know, to get towards the 2000 mark. Now, why am I going, going through all of this? It obviously, fans back, fantastic, brilliant, over the moon about it. But the negativity now comes in. The negativity is, let's take Stockport. I mean, this won't matter to Stockport because they've got more money than Croesus. But Stockport have got 2,750 season ticket holders. So they're capacity, if let's just say they're allowed to do it, they may be able to get 4000 in, but let's just say on the tier two, they'll get 2000 in, they won't be able to get any more match day income. And if them, okay, this is a bad example, Stockport don't need the money, but if the if the match day income was turned off, the money, the grants from the government, and converted to loans, there is no more money coming in. You will argue, rightly so. You've had the money already. Kingsley haven't got this problem because we only sold 106 season tickets, and then we then we stopped it because we didn't want to have this issue. Um, So we would still be able to sell an, an enough, but not enough to cover the. You know, because if we look at our three fixtures in December, we would have had Bromley, we would have Torquay, which we would have expected at least 3,000 fans to, and we would have had a a sellout of nearly 5,000 against um, uh, Notts County on Boxing Day. So if we put together, let's just call 2,000 to Bromley, 3,000 for Torquay, and the 5,000, nice round number comes out at 10,000. Well, on a 10,000 capacity game, I mean, we won't average 20 quid, but it doesn't happen. But let's just state we could average, I don't know, let's say we average 16 quid, Uh, times that by 20,000, you come out at, you know, uh, sorry, uh, come out at 10,000, comes out at 160 grand, you've got to knock the VAT off, etc. But we're well ahead of the 84 grand. So that would all be perfect, no problems. But because we're having to have this capacity at 1,400, we are not going to make anywhere near the 84 grand. So then the problem comes, what does one do to make it fair? I think what people will do is they'll have a one-entry price, irrespective of you're a child, a concession or an adult, you will all pay a little bit more. I cannot see a way around it because other because you've got to balance the numbers. Obviously, the more fans we're allowed in, the more we get, the less money we need to charge. But we also can't be in the realms of stupidity because if we said to you, "Okay, let's be honest," we just said it would be ten thousand normally. Let's say they give me um, I don't know eight hundred for Bromley, and let's just say we get the fourteen hundred um, twice um, for the other two games. Um, our capacity now is 3,600, so 36%. So uh, that means, of course, that we're um, 64%. um, The price needs to go up to um of the general price to actually um accommodate it so anyway you can see that the problem and that would probably put our price over well, we've just said 16 quid so let's just do that i haven't worked this out before i one there as you can see it's 26 pound 24 now obviously you've got to remember the vat comes out which doesn't come out of the loans as well so these are the issues so there is going to be a a, a pricing issue and then there's a streaming issue some people don't feel safe to go still fair enough if you don't then don't come i get that um, So as long as we sell out the tickets in the ground, we would be happy to carry on with the streaming. Also, the away fans. Will away fans be banned? Will they be allowed to carry on coming? I think that will be down to each club to decide. If we're playing Torquay, probably, I haven't looked, but I'm guessing a low-risk area, no reason why they can't come, subject to us being able to get them in the ground. Well, at 1,400, we probably won't be able to get them in the ground and that our fans say, we don't actually fancy that game, we'd rather sit at home and watch it on the stream. But their fans would then be upset and would not be able to stream the game, so watch the game. So we would want to stream it for them as much as for us. So um, it does cause slight issues, although they're nice issues to have because we want fans back in the stadium. But we do have to find a sensible number, which allows us... Because, you know, if I... To give you an idea, we get about 400 children, at least, to every match. Well, if I'm only allowed 1,400, or even perhaps only seven or 800 in the first game, I can't let half the, half the ground be kids paying me a fiver. Uh, you can see the problem. So... Until we've got the... Tomorrow, Thursday, we're going to get the tier numbers. Once I've got the tier numbers, I'm able to ascertain what our, what our capacities are going to be. I've got a meeting on Friday before we depart for Portsmouth with the SAG group to confirm what they're going to let me have in the stadium. And then at the end of all that, um, we, are in a, we are we are in a position to work out what we need to charge to get through because we've got a balancing act to do. I will, I will say one thing at this point, season ticket holders that have bought, the 106 of you that have, we've obviously given you a free streaming package uh, during the during the lockdown period, which is the right thing to do. We've also sent you a free programme, which is slightly more, I think, than other clubs have done, but we've done that because we feel that's to keep you in touch to the club as much as we can. Plus, it's a way of me thanking you personally for your support. You've lost five games as well, but hopefully that, that those two instances have covered it. We will now be in a situation to say to you, you you will not have any price increases, kids, concessions or adults, you're in for the price that you paid. That will not change. You're the ones that supported us the most in our time of need and therefore your pricing cannot alter. It has to be, has that sacrosanct and you you will will not be moved. However, um, those that wanted to, you know, and I understand it, didn't want to pay, they didn't know what they were going to get. We now have to look at it in the real life today and say we need to break this even. Um, we can't just run on a, uh, you know, if, if we don't break it even with everyone else, but then someone else has got to put the money in. And um, essentially myself, which isn't that easy at the moment because life is difficult outside of football as well as inside of football. So you can see the problems. Plus there's going to be a lot less catering facilities to be able to take the money on the food and the drink because one of the main areas that the SAG Committees don't like is people congregating inside cafes and bars, et cetera. And to couple that and add to the problem, our away teams are getting changed in the cafe at the moment, and then could they be allowed four at a time into the dressing room under the COVID rules? So that takes that one out, and that just leaves us the bar. And then it, then the next question is, are we allowed to sell drink? We don't know, because we're not a pub, but if we're in tier two, we can only do it with a substantial meal. Um, there will be a VIP package, 65 quid for a three-course meal upstairs with a guaranteed great view that will do but can we do a you know if i'm going in i have to say to people well, in that case you've got to have to you know, do you have to buy a beer would you have to buy a burger with your beer uh, yes or no i don't know the answer to that question so we're not a pub or a restaurant we're a football club it has a pub in it within its territory so you can see the other confusion there it, it, it it's another issue to, to deal with it's another um problem and 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 my my feeling is I will sacrifice the bar because we've got this new catering facility outdoors now, which with two hatches, plus we've got a coffee hut or tea hut, which we could also as an outdoor facility. We could perhaps even put in if we need to a burger van outdoor facility. So we've got at least three, if not four, facilities outdoors, and I would I would personally sacrifice the indoor part to increase the fan capacity. Uh, which should be better um, to have more fans in and just a little bit less on the hospitality side. But the new hospitality things allows us to do chips. Lots of nice chips with lots of different flavours. We'll try and do all sorts of good things there. So make it a bit fun. So that is, that is something we've got to debate. But at the moment, I can't give you any more than that because I haven't got the facts. I haven't got the figures. I'll have them all by Friday. Over the course of the weekend, we will have to work out a very quick scenario and come up with a, with, a, with a conclusion and then we'll get it out to you next week as soon as we can. But that is the explanation to it all, which I hope you can understand In, 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 in you know, when I've kind of given you the various um, points to consider. So that's that. Let's get James on the phone and we will come back and deal with Wrexham and the takeover, the Hollywood takeover, and also um, the independent committee with a question mark um, after this apart from james thanks so it gives me great pleasure to welcome james leary fd for marine football club uh, hi james
1: hi steve you okay
0: i'm well james always good when i'm hearing your voice on the phone <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> so let, let let's start james at the at, at the point which is oh, Everyone's talking about uh, what a great result for you at Culture
1: stuff. Hmm? It was incredible. Um, I mean, who would have thought six rounds ago when we played in the preliminary rounds and, and had Barnalswick at home? You know, they were the league below us. We were one 0 down with three minutes to go. And um, who would have thought then that you know we'd, we'd we'd be sat here after having beat Colchester and got prospects of a great second round tie against having a Waterloo. So it's just been a, a great roller coaster, really. The team has done unbelievably well, and um, the manager. You know, I've got massive, massive respect for him. He's done a great, great job to get us through to the, this position, and hopefully, you know, wherever it ends up, uh, the results against haven't will mean that the finances we get in from this cup run will will um, see us through it over the the, the, the periods ahead.
0: So, I mean, it was incredible, and you could see what it meant to the club. When he took that penalty, and he was just like rugby style squashed, wasn't he?
1: <laughs>
0: Everyone just jumped on top of him, kind of you know um it, it had nothing on kind of extreme Rex wrestling. It was just, it was just you know, surprised he got out of it alive, but you know um so you could see what it meant to the players and that I mean and, and I had a sneaky suspicion you know, and, you know and and we are mates, so we've got to bring bring that up for the sake of whatever um being honest but but you you, you must have had a bit of a suspicion in the back of your head that you could do it, didn't you? Uh, I, I, I did. I mean,
1: you know, Neil has, has assembled a really good, young, hungry squad. Technically, that's the best squad we've had in my lifetime. You know, I'm 34 now. I've, I've been involved with Marina, you know, all my life, and it's definitely the best squad we've had in 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 my memory. Um, so I knew we were in for a chance. I mean, the round before against Chester, I did have a sneaky feeling that we were gonna we were gonna sneak through, um, and we did. Thanks to a, a, a late penalty, we won one 0 You know, and they were two levels above us, so. You know, with Chester, I had a sneaky feeling we were going to win. Um, with Colchester, it was slightly different. You know, I knew we were given them a good game. Uh, the last mm-hmm. time we got through to the first round of the FA Cup was in 1995 against Shrewsbury, and we lost 11-2. Um, and it was a bit embarrassing, really. We, for the last 25 years, we've every, every every single time, every year in the FA Cup, people always talk about the Shrewsbury game. So, you know, the good thing is now going into the Colchester game, we we, we knew we weren't going to get battered. And I did think it was going to be real. Game, but I don't think I thought we were going to go through. Um, at the end when when we did, um, you know, obviously an extra time. It was a tough thirty minutes to to, to hang out really. Um, but you know, we as I say, we've got a young, fit squad, and, and thankfully that that saw us through to penalties really, and then we got the luck that we needed in the penalty shootouts.
0: Yeah, well, you always need a little bit of luck at some point, don't you? Um, sure. so uh, uh, what about? the next task in hand, having to Waterlooville, have you got a sneaky feeling about that at all?
1: Um, I think it's going to be close. Um, You know, at the end of the day, they're two leagues above us. They've got a a wage budget that's quadruple ours. So we know the the enormity and the the difficulty of the task. But again, you know, we're going to, we've got a fully fit squad. Um, So, you know, we've been going full of confidence really. It's obviously at home as well, which is an advantage to us Um, in terms of being, you know, used to our grounds. Our grounds, quite a, a small, tight ground. Um, so we're going there for the conference, and hopefully we can we can somehow sneak the the result we want just to get through to the third round proper. And of course, from a financial point of view, you know, so far we've generated probably just over ninety thousand pounds for the club so far. But you know, if we get through to the next round in terms of in terms of the TV monies and everything else that comes with it, uh, financially things will start to rise quite quickly. So if we can get through to the third round proper,
0: it'll be massive for the football club. Be, be huge, be huge. And what and what's happening to the money, James? Are you are you having people knocking on your door players and want, wanting it or are you uh, finding other ways of spending it?
1: No, I mean we 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 put in the summer a five-year plan together. Um in that five year plan there was there was a, there was quite a lot of, of spend um uh, planned for the next few years within that plan. Um so hopefully if we can get through to the third round proper, that'll allow us to accelerate that plan a lot quicker than would have otherwise happened. Um so yeah it, it'll, it'll just be massive for the club and as I say you know what Neil Young the manager and the players have done for us has um, is, is been fantastic it's, it's the first time you know the real success period for Marine was in the mid-90s when we won the leagues we we got to the third round proper of the FA Cup, actually, funnily enough, um, as it was. Uh, and funnily enough, we actually played two of the teams that we've actually beaten this time as well. So maybe it's an omen. But when we got to that third round proper last time, um, there was three non-league clubs that left in it. There was Marlowe, uh, there was Yeovil Town and there was Marine. Uh, one of them got Arsenal away. One of them got Tottenham Hotspur away. And we got Crew Alexandra away. Um, there's a bit of it, no disrespect to Crew Alexandra, but they were at disappointment. appointment. So hopefully we can get through against Havens. It'll be our year to get uh, one of the big boys, but let's keep our fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, well, I'll certainly be keeping them crossed for you, and, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that game pans out. I'll be watching it actually. It's on. Is it on Sunday, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Sunday two forty-five on BT Sport.
0: Okay, and you'll hopefully be watching us on Saturday with a bit We're of lost. Yeah. Most definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be good. So, James, tell me, running a football club is a difficult business, isn't it?
1: It is. I mean, I mean, just on in, in personal experience. I mean, you know, I was a, I was at Marine for probably four years on the committee, and then I, I went to do a stint for eighteen months at Berry Football Club, and then um, basically decided to head back to Marine. Really, I think I, I've always been of the opinion before I went to Berry that I sort of wanted to get full time into football um yeah. and then i sort of went did 18 months and actually you know when you sat at a bearing match and you're sort of looking at your phones to see how marina getting on you know i just came to the conclusion that actually you know it, is it something i want to do long term uh, or am i better off just pursuing other bu- business interests and also um you know being back at, and helping trying to push marine forwards and that's the conclusion i came to so that's what i've done now um so hopefully you know we'll we'll, we'll make a lot of progress and um, we've changed a lot at the club on and off the pitch over the last 12 months. Um, I mean, there was an example that I gave in my programme notes uh, over contract players where the club historically has only ever had four or five contract players maximum at the club. And all that's happened over the last 10 years is anytime we've got a decent crop of players, you know, the usual vultures have come and picked them off. Um, yeah. But this year we've changed that around, we, including the loan players who obviously contracted to us until a certain period. We've got 11 on contract now. Um and as a result of that you know we've we, we've got a good squad, a good young squad, seven of the eleven players who played against Colchester are under twenty three so we've got a really young squad, but hopefully lots of potential and players who want to move back up the pyramids and hopefully we can we can help them do that um, yeah no sure, sorry you now but in terms of the run of the club, you know i say we have put a five year plan together, and it's just going to be a really exciting few years now, I think you know we'll say we've changed lots on and off the pitch um you know, I had the feeling in the summer that things were starting to turn in our favour, uh, and hopefully now this cup run has just really compounded that and actually made people see that we're back on the map. Um, you know, we've we've had we've had quite a few years where we've been stuck in 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 the bottom, probably seven or eight of the Northern Premier League, and then we got relegated for the first time in our history and um, the season before last. Um so now, hopefully, we've come out of it a lot stronger through the changes we've made, and hopefully over the next few years we can start to push back up again. Um, and yep. getting to the second round proper of the FA Cup or hopefully the third round will will really help us try and try and, try and do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking back, James, do you think that relegation has been the positive for you, looking back on it now with hindsight? Um, yes and no. I don't think it's been the positive in the sense that, you know, I genuinely believe
1: that we were starting to make the changes so that it, had we have stayed up, um, we would have been a lot stronger anyway. Um I mean it's really frustrating because as I say we have we before we got relegated we'd flirted pro- for probably six, seven years with relegation. We were always near the bottom. Um and, and funnily enough, the, t- the team we actually went down with was probably the strongest team we've actually had for a few years. Um, you know, we were we we're thirteenth, I think, probably around early March time. Um and then our our, our main striker, Niall Cummins, who who plays against Colchester and is still with us he um he got injured at the end of January when we was we sort of weren't in danger and then we just sort of went down in in free, into free fall really and couldn't get out of it and then even in the last game of the season you know we played um we played away at farsi celtic um we just needed a draw to to guarantee safety. Uh, and we needed uh, one of the other two teams below us not to win. That's all we needed, and you know, bad luck happened. We we lost. I think it was two, it was two nil in the end to Farsi Celtic. Uh, and the two mm-hmm. teams that Mickle over and I can't remember who else it was. Now below us both both gone from town. Both won to send us down. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really tough time. Um, you know, a lot of us have been involved with the club for quite a, 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 a long number of years, and. It was it was sad to see it, it, it happen really, um, but as I say, you just go sort of dust yourself down uh, and go again, and that's what we have done. And as I say, with the changes we've made now on and off the pitch over the last twelve months, especially with everything we're doing on the community side, um, it's really holding us in good stead at the moment. You know, there's there's a lot of there's more interest in the club now than there's ever been. Uh, obviously, we, we can't have fans in at the moment, but. When the fans come back, I think our attendances will be higher than they've ever been. And if we can get promoted this year, that'll really put the ice on the cake and, you know, people will be back in business.
0: Yeah, what a season that will be. What a, what a success that would be if you promotion and make it through to the third round proper. Even even if you don't make it through to the third round proper promotion, what you've done is a fantastic season. Yeah, you Snap my hand off for of that at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that, that's yeah. To say, for, for me, it's,
1: it's bringing the good times back to the club. You know, as I say, we... We've after, since since the mid probably mid to late well mid nineties ninety five last time we were in the first round of the FA Cup. You know we we haven't had many great successes uh, in the, on the league front uh, or on the cup front. As I say, this is the first time we've been when we played. Chess, it was the first time we win the FA Cup first round. So for us, it's about you know we we, we regard ourselves as a good historic club. You know we're one hundred and twenty five years old. Last year um, we have got a Guinness World Record for having the longest serving manager uh, in football, Rolly Howard, who. Retired in the early two thousands, but he was manager for just under thirty, thirty four years. And um, you know, we've we've, if we look back, players like Jason McAteer have come through Marine. Um, in fact, funnily enough, Jason McAteer couldn't get in our in our first team. Bizarrely enough, um, and then he went, then he he left to go to Bolton, and obviously. Onto Liverpool after that, so you know we regard ourselves as having a good history with, with with some great teams over the years, and now it's about getting them good years back. And as I say, with the changes we're making, um, hopefully we'll kick on over over the coming years and, and look to pu- push back up the tables again.
0: Sure. So tell me, I mean, obviously, what you can without being giving away too many secrets, but what what, what changes are you making, James?
1: Well, I think I think f- first of all, Neil Young uh, coming as manager has been absolutely. Um, brilliant for us and um, he's a i think he's a great manager he's got great contacts Um, you know he's meticulous in his preparations and um, i mean in terms of the having game you know we've got all the videos from a lot of their games this season Um, he knows pr- probably everything there is to know about 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 their their team Um, you know we've our match analysis guys on tons of videos in terms of preparation and and, and helping our our guys know as much about having for the game, and that's exactly what we did against Colchester as well. So I think from uh on the pitch perspective, Neil's professionality um in 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 the way he's got the team together and, and the way Neil operates is has been absolutely massive. Um and then off the field, there's probably just a few areas that we we as a football club we weren't pushing forward uh, as much as we should have been. So for example, you know, the community is is one perfect example where you know, we we there was the odd things we have done, which has been great through our uh, community officer, of Barry Lenton. So, you know, we do a lot for Kit Aid, for example. I think we have sent twenty thousand kits off to Africa. Um, but within our own community, we we weren't doing as much. So we we we, we launched Marine in the Community as a registered charity last year, um, and we do tons now in the in the community. Everything from the elderly people we deliver um, to. to about 70 people every Wednesday lunchtime who are elderly or vulnerable in the area to deliver food to them. Um, we have got walking groups, talking groups. Um, so we get speakers to come down and talk to people about different subjects, historians. And for example, um, we've got walking football we've started. Um, and then for, for people under 18, we've started violence reduction programmes. Uh, we do a lot of work in, in primary schools, high schools, doing coaching. Um, you know, Mike Howard, who scored the winner penalty, uh, against Colchester has started coaching in, in, in local schools and we've, we've been doing that free of charge for them so we're trying to do as much within the community to really grow our reputation and that is having a lot of spin-offs and um, that we've found and and it's it's just been massive and that, and that's one example but there's, there's many more everything from the pathways through you know we've just done we did a partnership uh the year before last with a uh, youth set-up called Crosby-Stewart, which is every, which they've got teams from under 5 to 1-16, to whereas previously, you know, we never had any pathway. We we had a team, we had a first team, so we were a team but not a club, whereas now we, we're developing a club. Uh, you know, we've just started a women's football team for the first time ever um, and they're doing well, hoping for promotion this year. So you just get the feeling around the club, there's a real uh, feeling of positivity, even before the FA Cup run and now the FA Cup run's happened it's just gone on to another level as I say we're getting interest in the club um, that we've probably never had before Um, and obviously the difference between when we made the third round proper last time and where we've got to now is the fact that there's a lot more uh, from a media perspective a lot more attention that can come Um, and and that's happened so I say it's just a good place to be at the moment and if we can get that result on Sunday um, it'll be fantastic
0: Oh yeah we be, be great and, th- and that community idea you know setting that up as a separate standalone you know community interest charity I uh, can't remember exactly how yours is set up yep yeah, is what we've done as well um uh, uh, and partly inspired by your success yep yeah, uh running that I thought we should do so 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 that's um yeah it is important to do that isn't it I think up. it's I
1: think it's it's vital you know I mean, I mean the big thing with non-league clubs they are community clubs at the end of the day so they've got to play their part in reaching out to the community um, to help the community, and then they will get they will get back as well. They will get more more interest in the club, more fans, more people who want to get involved in the club. Um, and and that, I think that that will naturally happen for you at, at Kings Lynn uh, as as you progress over the coming months, especially
0: with obviously the success you've had on the pitch over over the last couple of years. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Because you were very kind to me in my early days coming down. I mean, we, we 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 yeah, you came down to help me with all the financial cash flows. I remember. Yeah. Um, which didn't look too great in those
1: <laughs> days. <laughs> I do look too great now. You've been OK, Steve. you had a great, great few years. And, oh, yeah, no, you brilliant for Kingsland Football Club.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. Kind, of, kind of you to say so. Uh, I remember we, we, we should say... Uh, how we met it was very funny, wasn't it? Because we were at we were at an exhibition and you were waiting to pitch someone, I was waiting to pitch the same <laughs> guy. And I thought, who's this guy? Who's this bloke trying to pitch this guy? <laughs> I, I need to remove him at the moment. <laughs> anyway, we got we got through it together and became a- mates. I think yeah.
1: right. I think it was soccer X, wasn't it, in Manchester? And there was a number of within in a the, the room. There was a load of clubs and there was a sort of a handful of, of, of sponsors. I was at Barry at the time, and you obviously I think you'd, you'd taken over Kingsland not not long before. Um, so we were like we were like homing pigeons and vultures when we saw to the to the, uh, to the sponsors I think. Um, no, that was that was you know that was a good time and um, you know definitely being at Berry for that time just put put a completely different perspective on things and I think that has definitely taught me probably more lessons in football um, than anything else has done and probably the learnings that I've, I did learn at Berry is, is sort of. I've I've been able to then come back to Marine and and hopefully put some things into practice to help take Marine forward.
0: Yeah, but I mean, what did you learn at Barry? Was it, was, it, was it basically don't spend more than you you have coming in, <laughs> or was it more? Yeah, it, mm-hmm. I mean,
1: you know, I went into, I went into Barry. So the, the chairman Stuart Day at the time, he was I think we were he was three years into a five year plan. Um the season, I went, they'd just been promoted to to League One. Um, and you know they had a five-year plan, which was to get to the championship. Um, you know the the league two in the league two teams get. Well, at the time it was about a million quid. League one teams get about one point three million from the football league, and uh, championship clubs got about six and a half million. I think now it's gone up to about seven and a half million. So at the time, it, you know, that and this was this this is why I think so many financial problems are happening in football. The prize money is so high of getting to the championship the Teams are going for broke to try and get there. So, in Barry's case, as I say, they were three years into a five-year plan to get to the championship. We had a manager, David Flitcroft, who was a great, great manager. I got on well with, um, and you know. But the reality was, when I went in, they were losing three million a year, um, and it was tough. You know, it was. It was as I say it was a great experience, but but it was tough. And, and really, it was about how can you, how can we streamline things to 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 reduce them losses as much as possible. Um, and how we're we going to plug that deficit? Obviously, you know the the, the money was coming in from the chairman Stewart Day at the time, um, but you know it wasn't it wasn't regular, and it was it was it was you know my, my idea at the start was to basically put cash flow forecasts together and whatever your losses are. Um, to communicate to the chairman obviously for the year ahead when he ex- when i expected some, some money to come in and sometimes and it's not it's not a personal revenue it's a fantastic opportunity but the money just wasn't there at the times so we needed it so it makes things difficult in terms of paying suppliers um, et cetera etc etc but it was a great time and, and then I, when when I, I, I got the feeling that things um were, weren't going to dramatically improve on that side Um i just took the decision to, to come back to Marine basically and as i say pursue my own business ventures, um, which I did. And, and, and obviously then, you know, berry they got into a, a lot more problems. Uh, Stuart Day let the club go to a guy called Steve Dale. Um, and then now obviously where it's got to is just an absolute, absolute mess, which is a real uh, disaster for the football club. I mean, there's so many good football people involved and um, people have been involved in the club for many, many, many years. You know, you've got Mike Curtis, the groundsman. He's still doing the pitch now, even though no one's playing on it. Uh, and he's been, and he's not getting paid as well. You've got people like Gordon Sawfleet, who was the media guy for the past probably thirty odd years, um, who, again, they they sort of held on for twelve months without getting paid, hoping that someone would take over the football club. And I think now the the realizations hit that. You know it's things are still just completely stale no one knows what's going to happen and they're also sort of having to look for alternative roles when you know that when they happen to leave the club that they've been involved with for, for many years and love it's a sad situation and there's so many good people i mean I get on well with jill, jill neville who who was club secretary for i think she was 35 years um she had a 35 year um award when i was there um, so you know it's sad that you know people like Carl Evans who who was chief exec who now is chief exec of Alden, uh, people like Danny Bauerbank who was a very, very very fan for all his life really now he's 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 commercial manager at Akronston Stanley. So it's full of good good people about Barry Football Club and it's just really really sad that it is in a position it is now where no one knows what's going to happen. Um, and I, I hope that they can resolve it pretty pretty quickly and, and get the club back on its feet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, let's let us let us hope for for their second. I mean, I don't quite understand what's happened now because he 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 seems to have registered the trademark, Barry. Yeah, and he's is there a is he suing the I don't know the fan not the, not the Phantom Club. What do they call them when they set up new clubs? I can't remember what they're called now. Yeah, the Phoenix Club. Yeah, yeah. I believe
1: that's what um, that's what it looks like is going to happen. I mean, you know, I, I've got to say, you know, I I cannot believe it's got to this situation and and it is. It, it, for it to arrived at this situation, um, it would have been easier to, to have of um helped the club carry on. Uh, than it, you know, it's it's such a big cock up to get the club in the situation it is. You know, the reality was when they went bust, they had hardly any debt. Um, there was just a complete breakdown in communication with, with with the AFL and that is ultimately what's cost it. So I honestly cannot believe it's in this situation from the minimal debt in reality that it was in. Um and the laugh of it all is and, and, and is that you know, within the youth system they had well over and above the talent to pay off that debt. So it's it's an absolute uh, travesty how it's in this position. And as I say, it's it's one of the biggest cock ups ever in football, um, to have to have arrived at this position.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Hopefully it will get well, I don't know if it is gonna get sorted out, but hopefully, yeah, some good will come out of it. I don't know what, but you know, we'll one of you have to look back in hindsight to find out there going to be any good. But, but as you say, it, 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 there's so much effort put in by people like yourself and Jill Neville, as you mentioned, who was Gary Neville's mum and yeah, did a great job down there and, and lots of other people like the groundsman, etc. And it just seems such, such a waste of time at the end of it all. Well, such a shame. Yeah,
1: it, it is. I mean, you know, we, uh, you think back over, over the many years uh, before very, Well, before the events of the last 12, 18 months, um, you know, Berry has had financial problems, but it's always got through them. It's always battled through. Um, and as I say, you know, it's been in a lot worse position in the past than it was at the time. Um, it, it eventually was, was was expelled from the FL, um in terms of the actual amount of debt it had. As I say, it wasn't a difficult situa- situation to get out of. It was just that really the people involved at the time it was thrown out. Um, really, in terms of communication, in terms of um, the relationship with the FL, was a, an absolute all-time low, and that's ultimately what's what's costed Barry's position. Um, as I say, you know, I, I actually got a call from Steve Dale a few days before uh, they were thrown out to have a look at the finances to see if anything could be done, and the reality was from a a debt perspective, it wasn't in a terrible situation at all. Um, And, you know, they were, they'd just been promoted to to League One, obviously, that was Ryan Ryan Lowe's last act before he went. And and when they were bottom of League One, um, you know, they could have sort of cut the cloth to then sort of um, cut the cloth to to get the finances sorted, take the relegation down to League Two and then be completely solvent, you know, no debt within League Two and, and, and be able to, Sort of start again, but as I say, with the total breakdown in communication, that uh, has, has ultimately costed the club its its uh, its place in the league.
0: So, so do you think it was? You, you do think it was with a with a different decision maker on board, the whole club would have been saleable. Hmm? I, yeah, I
1: don't think there's I don't think there's any 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 doubts over that. Really, I think I think as I say, you know, I mean, it, Steve Dale has openly said in terms of the amount of debt it's had through the CVA that he did um it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a, a huge um S- stuart day had, had wrote off most of the debt that um basically when when stuart day um put money in it was always his loans but he always said he would he, would, he wouldn't um he wouldn't um ha- what's the word what's the word in
0: yeah he wouldn't ask for a payment of
1: them he wouldn't ask for a payment from him, he wrote off a lot of the loans that he put in um so as i say it was it was just completely at the end a complete breakdown of um you know of of trust of relationship with the afl and that's ultimately what what has as um, resulted in the expulsion of the club uh, as i say in terms of the amount there the, there's there's tons of people that i'm sure would have put in the money to to help Barry get through the position through the situation they were in um but as i say ultimately there was just a breakdown in trust um, breakdown in uh, relationship and that that was the end of that. Um, and I just hope that now, I mean, I believe there's an application in for them to get into the conference. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 at the moment, you know, they haven't even submitted accounts for the last since I was there. I don't think three years ago. Um, so they're overdue. I don't think you no know, anyone knows that the, the financial picture at all. Um, so I don't physically know um, how they're going to get let into into a league until until that gets resolved. To be quite honest. Um, but ultimately the people that are in charge are going to have to come up with a solution if, if football is going to get played at, at, at Berry again. Um, and it's a massive shame when you've got someone somewhere like Gig Lane at the moment. It should be, it's, it's a big football in town, Bury, so it's a big shame when you've got someone, a team like that that can't play and you've got supporters that obviously um, that have been involved in the club all its life and, and, and can't go down. It's just a real crying shame.
0: Yeah, and then I guess it's, who, who's going to support which team? I guess. I suppose. Where they support? I suppose some fans won't support a team with Steve Dell there, and others might think that's our spiritual home.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I knew quite a lot of supporters from the time there. Um, I mean, there were some supporters that, that they say now that if there's a team at Gig Lane, they would rather go and watch them. But then, as you say, there's other pe- there's other people who just won't go there um, until there's a, there's a change. So. I, th- I think I think it probably will be split. Um, but, you know, you'd like to think that something will get resolved in the next six to 12 months that would mean that they can all unite again as, as one football club. Um, but I guess time
0: will tell on that. Oh, James, you just disappeared. Yep. Oh, I expect you're back now. You're back. Yep. Yeah, OK, good. Um, well, let's see. Let's hope that plays out for the best for everyone concerned. And, um, and James, um, you know, T- terrific news on your victory um, against Colchester. And I just hope that you know yeah. you, you've done a, such a great job there at Marine, marching the club forward and taking them really. I mean, I mean, d- d- very quickly on your on your five year plan, are there any kind of specific areas? You're looking to move forward, you know, know, big, 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 big kind of broad brushstroke areas, which you feel we've got to sort this area out, that area out, et cetera.
1: Yeah. And there's a few specific areas, for example, community, for example, um, I mentioned the women's team taking the women's side forward, but ultimately the the primarily the plan is all about income streams. You know, we, we know, you know, we're, we're a fan run club. We've been a fan run club for 125 years. You get a lot of new clubs reforming now as fan, fan run clubs as if it's a new concept. You know, we, as I say, all our history, we've been a fan run club. So we haven't got any wealthy benefactors sticking money in. And um, so as a, as a result of that, you know, what I've got to do is try and with, with the committee is try and increase incomes to make sure that we can be competitive on the pitch. Without having to people just having to stick stick uh, the hands in the pocket, you know. the look at the average wage um, budgets across the leagues over the last probably four or five years. It's increased a lot. You know, you look at uh, a Northern Premier League now. um, you know, t- to be in the top half, you're probably looking at four thousand plus. Uh, not far off. Um, and it increases quite considerably. So we need to increase our incomes to be able to increase our wage budget so that we can be competitive. Um, you know, our wage budget um last couple of seasons has been probably the highest in our history, but it's still well below um you know where we want it to be. So the, the five year plan really is about how can we generate income into the football club to help take it forward. You know we've already we've already done a lot probably in the last four or five years, as I say, to get to the position that we have been able to increase the wage budget um through things like rental rental facilities, um things like that. But ultimately, the, as I say, we, we need to do more. And that's going to come through a change in the type of the pitch, probably. Hopefully, um, it's going to come through um, creating new education facilities that we'll be able to, to utilise. Um, it'll come from, we've we'll, we'll, we'll just got about to go for the plan permission for a new shop on the front of the ground um, mm-hmm. that, we'll, that, that we'll be able to, to, to rent out as part of the community, um, as part of the community plans. So, as I say, for us, a massive, massive thing is how can we increase our incomes to in turn be able to increase the wage budget, to give Youngie more, to make us more competitive and push up. And, and that is really the, the main crux of the plans. So, as I say, you know, we, we've come to the realisation that, you know, we've either got to be one or two things. We can either be a fans club where no one's putting the money in as it, as it currently stands um, and look to improve the wage budget in other ways, i.e. through improving of incomes. Or we, we, we change the model to not a fan-owned club um, and then basically risk um, potentially the wrong person getting control of the club. And, and like so many clubs have done over the past 20, 30, 40 years in non-league, you know, risk going out of business. So, you know, I, I believe that the best model for Marine Football Club is a fan-owned club as it has been but as I say, we, we we had to change the way we operated, and that's why basically um, I was appointed as chief exec chief exec about fourteen months ago, um, and you know I I, I realized that we we if we're not going to get someone to put the money in, we've got to increase income in other ways to be able to become more competitive on the pitch, and and that is what we've done as I say so far. It seems to be working, and we just need to keep pushing on um, as a club, as I say, on and off the pitch to make sure that the good times keep come back
0: yeah well, well i'm sure I'm, I'm sure they will and what's it like having a chairman as a father uh, <laughs> it's
1: interesting <laughs> uh, We don't always agree but we usually come to the right answer between us um so it's it's you know my dad's been involved uh, all all his life and, and well from when he was about 15 so I, you know I, I didn't get much of a choice in the matter i was dragged there when i was when i was young What you sort of you know with as with a lot of people with football clubs you sort of get the bug and and it's been a big part of my life, really. So, you know, I'm glad that he has now, hopefully, this will be. I think he's been chairman for probably about 16, 17 years. Um this, if we can, if we can, this is the biggest game in his um, chairmanship. Um, and hopefully for him, we can get a win and, and get through to the third round proper. But, you know, we know, the, as I said before, we know the enormity of the task. We know that it's going to be a difficult challenge. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, we 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 succeeded against Colchester. We we succeeded against Chester, and we've got to go there believing that we can get a result, and, and that's exactly what we will do.
0: Yeah, it's just a shame you haven't got fans in a to witness it and b to make you some money, real real money.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, someone said someone said to me, um, someone in football said to me a, a few weeks ago that you know, having you know, we were away at Chester, we were away at Colchester. You know, maybe um, it was an advantage being behind closed doors. You know, if Colchester, for example, they were a bit slow in the build-up, they didn't create too many chances, really, given that they were a League 2 team at home against a team four leagues below. You know, if if they had 3.5 or 4,000 fans sort of screaming at them from the 15th minute um, to get forward and, and... and push on against us, maybe, maybe they would have had to change their style of play quicker. And so I don't know. You know, it's it's got as positives as and negatives, as, as you say, from the financial side. Um if if we had got that crowd against Colchester, it would have you know generated us a significant uh, higher amount of money than we haven't. Um but you know, I, I keep telling myself that Maybe on a plus side, that you know it's helped us get through in, in, in the away games that we've had against against big clubs in in, in higher leagues. Um, you no, know, it's as hopefully it's as broad as it's long. And as I say, if we can get to the third round proper, um, hopefully we, there'll be a 4,000 gate at least. Um, and we can get a big club,
0: yeah. And then well you will be upset they haven't got fans in the ground, yeah. Man United away, Liverpool away, no fans. Yeah, you'll be uh that will devastate you, I guess. But equally you'll probably still enjoy the day. Yeah, we will too. I
1: mean, as, as you say, if if um well if, if, if there's either no fans or if there's four thousand maximum, um, at least that would be something. But, you know, I mean uh, there was the talk of um someone that played United in the FA Cup getting one point one million um after a game that they played. I think someone I think um having and Waterlooville got seven hundred thousand when they played away at, at Liverpool. So you know, you look if if we get a, a, a if if we were to be lucky enough to get through on on Sunday and did get a big um, a big club of the next round, it would be a bit galling that you know the, that that massive loss of income that would set us up for years and years and help us push up the pyramid wasn't there, um, and whether there's anything we can do to the powers that be to try and 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 increase the, the number. I mean you look at it just doesn't make sense to me that for example you could be Man United and limited to four thousand and then you could be someone in, you know, someone like a, a Portsmouth or or um or even a, a Colchester United and and and, and get four thousand as well. It just doesn't make sense that they they've done it on that basis when you've got seventy five thousand seats of stadium uh, and and you only have four thousand in, but then a much lower um, capacity stadium, you still only allowed the same amount, it just doesn't make sense to me um, and whether there's anything that can be done in terms of speaking to the authorities to change that before any potential game, um, I don't know but ultimately that's a long way off and, and you know, first and foremost we've got to do everything we can to try and get past haven't on, on Sunday it'll, as I say it'll definitely be the biggest game in my lifetime um, and you know, young we are going to prepare well, we're staying over in, in Liverpool on, on Saturday night um, I'm going to get coached to the ground on the Sunday. So, in terms of preparation, it'll probably be the best uh, preparation we've, 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 ever, <laughs> we've ever had as a club, to be honest. Um, but hopefully that'll make the difference. And as I say, you know, I've got absolutely no doubt that the lads are going to give it 120% um, and give it a great shot of, of, of getting through to the next round.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'll be definitely a real a real, a real humdinger of the game. There's no question, no question about that. And I think, you know, as you say, it, it's, it's, it's just a wonderful time to be a, to be a marine fan and you know you had your anniversary last year didn't you because you produced a book which was a fantastic book which uh I, took me a long time to get hold of because someone forgot to order me a copy but anyway you got me one eventually was that last year your anniversary was it year before
1: it was last time? year yeah so last year we brought out we've always played in in white shirts and and, and black and um, black shorts well as I say always apart from the very early years when we played in gold and black so last year, the 125th anniversary, we we moved to a golden black kit as a special edition kit. Um, we, we had a, a load of celebration celebration events lined up during the year, but obviously, the sad thing is that because of because of the season getting cut short, um, a lot of them we we couldn't we we couldn't hold. Um, so we basically ex- extended the golden black shirts to this year as well um to be able to make the most out of that and, and as I say, hopefully by the end of this year we'll have a special edition um third round proper golden black uh shirt to some. Um oh.
0: yeah that'd be fantastic. Fantastic. Well I think I think I think you've done great James, really you know great really, really massive performance off the pitch as well as on the pitch from from yourself and the rest other members of your board. Without your enthusiasm and drive the club wouldn't be where it is now. So you have to give yourself you know, credit for that because without that, you know, you would, you would, you would, you wouldn't be where you are. You would have the team to compete. No, I think, I think you know, the
1: manager and the manager does an, does an unbelievable job. You know, I've got, I say, I've got full respect for him. He's, he's, a manager that I want to be there at the club for years to come, and I believe that we can push on with him. And um, you know, his contacts in the game, as I say, the amount of attention to detail he puts in, Um, you know, he spends every night just watching matches, watching games. Um, and in terms of professionality, as I say, he's, he's, t- he's taken Marine onto a new level. So, you know, I, I think people are starting to see that now um, and that's manifesting itself in the results. And as I say, we, we just need to kick get through the FA Cup and um, see where we end up in, in that and then kick on and, and make sure we get this promotion this year. Because, you know, one thing's for sure that whether we get knocked out on Sunday or in a third round proper, whenever it may be, you know, the players now have really got the belief that, that, we, that we, you know, we, we know how good we are as a team. Um, And as a collective, we'll have full confidence to go and and hopefully uh, win the league.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you deserve to win the league. Anyone does, you certainly do. So I will keep my fingers crossed for you and I will watch the game on Sunday and be rooting for you. I mean, I I like having to Trevor Brock. Say hello to Trevor when you see him. He's a good guy. And uh, we um, we bought their pitch covers for from him recently recently. to uh, cover our pitch so they've done us some favours as well but but I'm sure Trevor would rather take promotion than you would beating yourself so give him the (laughs) offer do that deal (laughs) before the game (laughs) (laughs) yeah good all right James well thank you ever so much for coming on I really appreciate it it's taken me a long time to get you on it just seemed like a great opportunity you know the stars were all lined up for us with your meteoric rise in the cup and it just made, made sense to do it now so I know you've been very busy so thank you for coming on really it's okay appreciate. thanks Steve good to talk you yeah. too speak soon bye James bye so welcome back to the show uh, what a great interview that was with James um the CEO and FD for uh, marine football club and ex-financial ex, um, direct, uh, ex financial man um, at Bury uh, Football Club and giving you all the insight there what could have been done to save that club. Not only that um, you know giving you a very good out, outcome of what how things have gone at Marine and I think that's what's so fantastic about non-league football is the openness and candour of the various people involved in it where they you know will tell you you know tell you what's going on which is great so I hope you enjoyed that and um it's uh, you yeah, know quite interesting um to, to hear to hear these interesting people and James is a great mate, good good guy, and we uh, I must speak to him six, seven times a week, sometimes more, um, all sorts of things and uh, yeah I remember him having they were going to a game last season, and his coach caught on fire, and I remember him sending me a photograph with some kind of line about what do we do this for? And there they were, the entire team camped on a motorway, siding with the coach burning and um, waiting for a replacement coach, you know, just uh, on the way to a game. And um, so, anyway, they deserve their their gig at the weekend against Haven't and it will be a cracking game. And, and you know, Trevor Brock has also appeared on this uh, Havant. Uh, Secretary and Director has also appeared on this uh, podcast several times, especially in the um, time of last season when we were trying to get the uh, playoffs played uh, so it will be a it will be a great a great game to watch i'm sure and uh, and a real yeah really good football match anyway we wish them well now let 's move on to what we were talking about um before we got on to james uh, which was uh, first of all the independent committee so the the independent review committee has been set up by the national league to look at the money and the way it, the money has been handed out to the clubs now i don't want to go through all, the, all this again because there's been plenty on all sorts of media channels about this is it wrong is it right these are the facts first of all there is no uh, uh, situation or dole out or cutting up of the cake which is going to please everyone it's just not going to happen so that's the first problem the second problem is The cake's been cut up. Um, I think there's been a few errors that, uh, for example, some clubs, Boreham Wood is an example, are getting far more than they would ever get as gate receipts. So I accept in a few cases there have been errors. But if you're going to take, let's take a team like Hungerford, may also have been getting, and this is a guess, may be getting more than their gate receipts. I've got no idea. But if we were to take the five grand from Hungerford and give that to one of the bigger clubs who are, complaining it's not really going to make a huge difference to their bottom line um especially when you're divided by 10 or 11 of them so that's the first thing the second thing i'm upset not upset about but i think wrong is one of the the two of the complainers are Faldall and Maidstone now Maidstone had a gate of around an average i'm guessing again around the 2000 mark last season uh Maidstone got relegated last year, as did Fyldor, which means their crowds will fall. You may say, well, they won't because people will come along anywhere and support the club, blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you, with the gate receipts, uh, will fall because... The, number one, the ticket price can't be charged at the same money. And secondly, even if it could be charged at the same money, there's less away support. There's no Stockport bringing or 600 fans down there. There's no uh, Wrexham bringing 300 fans. There's no um, uh, Notts County bringing 600 fans, etc., etc. So those gates are off. The gates have got to fall. So their 2,000 will not be the same in, in, in this league. Now... Um, they were given more than the average. I think they were given thirty-five or 36,000. Everyone else in the north and the south were given 30,000. Um... Clubs on our level were given 95 or 6 instead of the most clubs being given 84. Uh, there's no question I've explained to you know, earlier on in the, in the podcast, it's given you the rough figures, we'll certainly be well down in terms of money that we would have had. But I look at, at a different approach to Maidstone, that we, our gig is to get through to the end of the season, not to worry about um, splitting up the pie in, in the most uh, um, you know, pedantic manner possible. Now, that said... There has been a, you know, there has been you know, a, a minor failing here and there and perhaps could have been done slightly better. But I do believe the numbers would still not have made a huge difference. And I, if I want to talk about Dulwich Hamlet, we've also got to talk about gate receipts. For example, Yeovil charged 13 quid for away fans to get in. Barnet charged twenty three, so whilst Yeovil might have double the gates of Barnet, Barnet are taking double the money that Yeovil do. So there's there's the first. There's lots of so. This is what I'm saying. There's so many different ways you can go down. So many different avenues. So many ways you can split it up. It's so it's so impossible. But. If there is to be a review, it has to be a review by an independent committee. There's only, there's only three months guaranteed. Two of those months have been paid now anyway. The December payment hasn't been paid yet, and the December payment will probably get paid before Christmas because people, most people are on monthly pay and get, like to get paid before Christmas. Our players are on weekly pay. It doesn't make any difference to me. Um, now, the, the the issue here is that the review committee hasn't even met yet so whether they'll be able to be able to... It's the 25th of November as I'm uh, writing, you know, talking this to talk, you know, chatting to you today. Um, whether they're going to be able to get through it in a month is, is, is another thing, but... Let's just look at the committee scenario. Um, And then, by the way, for next year, they're saying there is money due, but it may be as loans. And that, to me, is wrong because there's no way you can saddle debt onto clubs that have got no way of repaying it. And directors taking on those loans without any probable method of repaying it would be a a desertion of their duties as a director. So I do feel that's wrong, and I think that the government had given... um, 1.5 1.5 million over 800, 8, 1.5 billion to the arts, including museums and theatres, etc. Of what, of which 800 million was grants. This whole football package was total 28 million for the next few months. So I think they're making a massive mistake in not giving it through as grants. But anyway, that that hasn't been that detail. Let's not pontificate because that detail hasn't been provided to us yet. Ma- Let's go back onto this. And this is where an independent committee or an independent review committee surely has to live up to its reputation. It has to be independent. Now, I'm going to leave it with you whether you believe this committee is independent. It hasn't been announced the... Um, committee members yet i'll give you a couple of the names so it's chaired by a chap called david bernstein david bernstein is um a very you know he's a football administrator and great background he's you know etc he's well he's i guess he's well sought after i've heard for i don't know anything about him but but but, but the name is one that everyone will, will will know this is also where it gets interesting so the um the politicians and um MP for Maidstone and the Weald is a lady called Helen Grant. Helen Grant is also with David Bernstein on another committee with Gary Neville. Gary Neville doesn't want people like David Levy running football. He'd like himself to run football probably, um, because he's always on. Yeah, he seems to be the de facto spokesman now for everyone in the Football League. But so they are doing a uh, review. I understand. Um, So, the former FA chairman, David Bernstein, which we talked about, an ex-FA executive director by the name of David Davies, the Mayor of Greater Manchester, Andy Burnham, the one that doesn't stop whinging and complaining all the time, the former Bank of England governor, Mervyn King, Olympic gold medalist, Denise Lewis, and sports lawyer, Greg Scott, wherever there's a committee, there's a lawyer. Now... They are backing a report entitled Saving the Beautiful Game, which urges, urges a radical overhaul of the governance of English football from top to bottom. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. Um, to an extent, it's OK. Um, although Neville doesn't like... He likes his big-picture scenario. I think bits of it are good, as i say, saying. Bits of it aren't so good. The bit that everyone forgets to mention is that clubs will be able to sell their own rights overseas, the big clubs. That, that's good news for those clubs. It's terrible news for everyone else because that's going to diced the PL, the Premier League's revenue, they keep it all um, quite significantly and um, go to therefore alter what the club's lower down get. But they, no one's really talking about that part. But anyway, let's push that to one side. So Helen Grant has joined Gary Neville, as I say. Gary Neville is irrelevant to this conversation, but she is working with David Bernstein. So the two of them are on a project already at the moment. And guess who's on this independent review committee? And there's none other than David Bernstein, of course, and Helen Grant. Now, that all, you might say, well, fair enough, that's just two guys, you know, guys, you know, girls, working together, fine. And therefore, why shouldn't they work together um, in another review committee, well, possibly you could argue that's okay. But here's the problem. The main protagonist is, the, is, is Maidstone. And Maidstone Football Club, is she's the MP for Maidstone. So what's she going to do? She's going to favour Maidstone. She has to favour. If she's impartial, completely impartial, how can she be completely impartial when her job is to get re-elected as well as do her best for her constituents? How can she be absolutely uh, impartial? I mean, maybe you feel differently, but I feel that's not necessarily independent. So those two—they're not, they're not the only people on the on the um, on the committee. There's a there's a there's a lady from Formula E who is on the committee. Um, nothing wrong with her. I can't remember much about her. I can find a lot of data because my mate of mine runs the um, sponsorships down there, so I can I will perhaps uh, do a little bit of uh, research into that. Um, but I'm sure she's she's fine. Uh, it's a very big corporate. Uh, structure now Formula E um, and I believe there's a chap called Terry Angus as well who I've never heard of so I don't, can't tell you anything about him but the point I'm trying to make is um, with Mainstone if, if Maystone weren't complaining I wouldn't have an issue with it but the po- problem is if Maystone are complaining I think that isn't independent but you let me know what you think you can do so by the way just by pressing on the um, uh, description of this podcast. You can leave a voicemail message just by pressing the little thing there. Or you can send me an email, chairman at kltown.co.uk and I will get back to you. I know one or two of you have emailed me. I do you emails so and apologies for um, for not coming back to you. Uh, but just jog my memory because you know, lots of stuff goes on in the day. Now, let's move on to Wrexham Football Club. What's going to happen? What's the real gig behind this Wrexham takeover? And let me tell you, it is not, white what has been portrayed. Now, I'm not going to reveal sources. I'm not going to go into all of that. That, to me, would be wrong. Um, but I'm pretty pretty sure I'm going to nail my colours to the mast here. You'll see in the next few days if I'm talking rubbish or if I'm talking... Um, well, you, it might take a few more days for it completely to be revealed. But you'll see if I'm if you think I've got it right or wrong. Uh, and you can make your own opinions up. I understand this Rexham deal is not a long-term scenario. This isn't Ryan Reynolds and his comedian friend, buying the football club and committing for the foreseeable future. This is all about, as I predicted on my uh, last... um, uh, I can't remember, maybe it's my programme notes or maybe I'll write a column for the EDP, the Eastern Daily Press. Every week we're at home, Kingsley and I do a column for them. It's available free of charge on the internet, so feel free to watch it. Oh, sorry, watch it, read it. Um, And you'll see that I've mentioned it in there last week. And this whole story um is not as i say a long-term thing this is a short-term scenario now what i mean by short term i don't know my se- my my guess is no more than three years uh, so what i think is and this is where this is the the aim of the the the, the project should we say is to create this documentary. If it goes great guns and doing really well and they make a lot of money out of it, you'll probably see another series. And until it starts to peter out and Netflix doesn't renew it anymore, whoever, I'm not saying it is Netflix, it could be anyone, a, a Netflix, inverted commas, it will carry on going. But as soon as it stops, they will stop. And I think their idea is, I did bring up the point, have they put it in writing, they're going to give it back to the fans. It's all very well to say, it? Is it in writing? I think that is their idea that they will then give it back to the fans. And I think, from their perspective, let's do a let's do a great documentary, get the world watching about Rebsam, turn it into a good news story, hand it back to the fans as job done, let them run the football club from then on. Uh, back in the football league, maybe up another division. Who knows? Interesting. If they succeed in that, that will be fantastic. If they don't succeed, uh, of course. Um, then you will, um, then it might be slightly different, and you know, I don't know what happens with the wage bills that they've got to underwrite to, uh, to cover those, and you know, who knows? I haven't got the detail, but we understand, as we, as we all know, that there are two people taking it forward, and that is not true, there are actually three people taking it forward, so there's a third, um, a third individual, um, and The third individual, I'm going to tell you who he is, and and you can look him up on, uh, to prove I'm not telling you uh, porkies, Uh, you can look on his um, Twitter um, scenario. So there's Rob McElhenney, I want to say something like that, I can't pronounce things, not going to such a good school. And Ryan Reynolds, i tell you who did go to a good school, which is the guy that's the third person involved uh, in this takeover, which is none other than a chap called Humphrey Kerr, K-E-R. Humphrey went to Eton, so he's well educated, so it'll be a he's British. Um so he's joining the Americans um on board on side. I believe he's going to be a shareholder in the project, so it's not a um it's not, I don't know why his name's been kept out of it. His Twitter he has got a Twitter account. You can Google him on sorry, you can go to his Twitter and search and you'll see he's got the Wrexham badge up on his um um up on his um I don't know what you call them, yeah. Not avatar i don 't know what whatever. i don 't know what the what it 's called, but anyway you 'll see on his little on a little there uh, 's a little photograph and there's a picture yeah, and he 's got the reps and badge behind it so uh, he 's definitely involved. there 's three of them there 's three of them taking the club forward, um, two of them you know about humphrey Kerr, you didn 't why have they not announced him i don 't understand why because he 's announced it himself uh, why is it why have they not gone into great detail he 's a stand up comedian stroke actor he did something called oh, i can 't remember now something about um, the penny Dreadford, which is a kind of sketch comedy troupe but i think that's that's finished he's 38 years of age uh and um that's about all i all, all all i know my guess is he's going to be part of the documentary it's all about All about the documentary. This, which is what I predicted originally, and that's what it is. So there you go, Humphrey Kerr, take a bow. You will join the stage along with the other the other couple of guys, and they are the guys that are moving their excrement into the into the into the next uh, domain. Look, my feeling is if they if they do a great job, um, everyone will say what a great thing, uh, fantastic, brilliant idea. What a great ball. Um, If it goes wrong and um, it doesn't do so well, and it's never easy, just. Basically, it's not about bringing in a guy. The CEO has got to be right, but equally, he's got to be someone that understands the lower leagues. And they're not that easy to find. There's a lot of people that tell you they understand it all, but they don't really. And um, there's a lot of nonsense talk. So let's see how that um, progresses. But uh, it it, it really is... um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch from the sidelines without any skin in the game and just see how it all works itself out but uh, there you go so that, and, and I guess my, my to finish off, I guess they're going to get their 2 million quid back they put into investing in the club um, as part of this recording deal, so they're going to go away happy people as well uh, probably give themselves some credibility certainly lots of merchandise sales, I uh, understand Rexman shifted 400 shirts in one day, uh, down to their involvement um, obviously lots of, I mean, Chelsea fans and my. I- previous life where you to go to um, go to Manchester United and sing you know, sing songs at, at Old Trafford, sing like uh, you've come all this way and you've lost. Um, and, and that's going to be the issue. Is there going to be a, a, a parting of the ways between the true Wrexham fan, born and bred, etc. brought up and the newer fan who probably has no idea what's going on um, and doesn't even know that Wrexham's in Wales although not by very far. Anyway let's let's see. I'm interested to see how it all goes on um, and um, I'll be interested to see how it all progresses So there you go. That's the Rexham story. Make your mind up about that. Make your mind up about whether it's an independent committee. Uh, FA Cup at the weekend. Chelsea um, are not involved, by the way, just in case you think they are. They're not playing until the next round, which is the third round. And I would very much like Kingsley to play Chelsea in the next round uh, if we beat Portsmouth, which will be a long shot, a very long shot. But nevertheless... The Cup has a good, good history in pulling up, turning up long shots. So that's that. I hope you've enjoyed the episode, and I will be back um, in a week or two with another one. So take care, keep safe, and let's hope by the next time we speak we've got some real concrete news about how we can get fans into the stadium and the, the life is going to return to how it once was. Not the new normal, but how it once was. We've got to get back there. Take care. See you soon.